Blog Talk Radio. To BCI Radio. This is the voice of the Eagles, John Meter Perel, hosting today, of course, with my friend, the lineman, Pete Cronin. I'm just kidding. It's AJ and, huh. and Eric. We're here today to talk about football. What's going on? Yeah, there we go. Cool. All right. Um, so we've got a lot to talk about today. Uh, we're going to get into last week's debacle against Notre Dame. And look ahead to the buzzsaw that is Clemson that's looking uh, staring us straight in the eyes on Saturday. So looking back on – let's go – so we'll start off with the one that – the game that's on everyone's mind, that's Notre Dame. It was the Holy War, um, and it ended up being a one-sided slaughter for most of the game uh, – for the second half of the game. BC looked like they were in it for a while. It was um, a close game, Adam. What's that? Oh, yeah. We all know okay. if we were watching, it was a close game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So it was a close game. And, uh, yeah, Dazio has now said that three to four times, that it was a close game. Um, but let's be honest, it, the BC got chunked to death on some humongous plays that um, they just couldn't stop. It was the, the the runs up the middle with Josh Adams and Brandon Woodenbush on the scrambles. Uh, they were terrible between the tackles. They just could not stop anything. Eric, what, what did you take away from this game? Um, obviously it was disappointing. Uh, you know, I had to eat some crow over the weekend cause I predicted a BC victory and, uh, I, I couldn't have been further off. I, I thought this Notre Dame team was right for the picking and, uh, they still might be Michigan state might be the team that, uh, get, gets an upset on them this weekend. But, uh, I, I think it was a perfect scenario for BC and, uh, honestly, I, I I don't know I I myself as some someone who picked BC to win the game maybe had some money on it too uh, I felt deflated at the end of the first half when uh, Adazio turtled and I mean if 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 me with an outside interest felt deflated I I have to imagine you know the air came out of the sails of some of the players but uh, am I am I overstating that or or, or what do you think No it was. That I mean, just as a fan, that was definitely a gut punch watching it in the stadium. Um, Luke, I think it was Lucas Dennis had that interception to, to, to set that up and returned it to the Notre Dame 44 yard line. And BC had two touch uh, not two touchdowns, two timeouts uh, to make a play uh, to make a play and to try to get some points on the board. And you're right, there's no other word to call it. I hate I hate using um, that phrase, but he turtled. He turtled. That's all it was. And I think it's a it's I think what fans really frustrated them was I think a lot of us were hoping what you said last week was that Daz was going to pull out all the stops um, in a game like this. And it was pretty clear um, that he didn't. He just went right back to the stuff that Daz knows how to do. And it was very frustrating because it was a game where if they scored there, the momentum would be with BC going into the second half. And I'm sure Notre Dame probably would have just run up the middle a couple of times and taken over the game again. 
but it's still the it, it's it's that culture that Adazio keeps bringing up that he's he's instilled here, which is just conservative, playing afraid, playing scared. And as a fan, you sit there and you watch this crap, and you go, "Why am I wasting my time watching this?" He doesn't seem to have any urgency at all. He just, you know, he he. The the thing that I, there were so many things he said that really floored me. But when he was saying that he was afraid of hurting Anthony Brown's psyche, that one floored me. Do you, what did you think? When I he mean, said what? I, I couldn't believe when he said that because what could kill his confidence more than saying I don't I don't want you to get us in the field goal range from the 44 yard line with with uh, with a little bit of you know not much time left you know what was it 13 15 seconds whatever but uh, yeah it was it, it was amazing I mean I don't I don't think anything would kill his confidence more than what he chose to do and uh, I I just I just kind of laughed because. I don't know why I thought this, but I, I was like, all right, you know, maybe post game he he kind of says, well, you know, after he has some time to think about, it, he says, you know, uh, I'm thinking he might say, you know what, you know, maybe maybe I should have went for points there. If I had to do it over again, yeah, I would have I would have went after it with Anthony, but he doubles down after the game and says no, and of course he gets hammered for that on Monday morning on uh, EEI, which. Which you know, it's, you know, you say something stupid if they're talking college football on on uh, Kirk and Callahan because they they obviously don't cover it much. So when you say something that dumb and get on their show, you know, you know it's a pretty uh, pretty bad statement. And then he kind of triples down on his decision on Monday night on his football show and kind of re-explains it. And at that point, I'm just like, wow, this this guy just doesn't get it. Like, like I I can almost see like. Hey, you know what? Maybe he screwed up and and made that decision. But man, after he has time to think about it, and he still thinks that it was the right decision. It's kind of like, what are we doing here? Yeah, I, that that piece is really frustrating because he just keeps saying it over and over again, and then he starts throwing in stats. He said that about um, Brown, and first of all, I think he said uh, he didn't want to do any hail mary type stuff because the stats would have been low, but dads all they needed to do was two quick outs to the sideline I mean I've watched Brady do it nonstop, and I know Anthony Brown is clearly not Tom Brady but he's a quarterback and those are you know those are not high uh, probability plays of an interception especially if you throw it sideline and he's saying that those, those are low statistical plays it's a load of crap and I don't I don't think he's even using statistics to say that I think he's just talking out of his butt and it, it, I think that's what infuriates fans is, you know what? If you're going to be conservative, just say that's what you're going to do. Don't lie to us and say that all these other things about like, oh, I'm going to hurt Anthony Brown's psyche or blah, 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 blah. It, it's really frustrating to watch and to listen to it afterwards when any – I mean, he's going to say that, you know, fans don't know what they're talking about. But, you know, we watch enough football. We know when there's certain things that you're doing that – you say are not supposed to happen, but they could happen. And it's, I think that's what a lot of us were like, I think that's what raised all of our blood pressures after that game. Yeah. And, and you, you bring up a great point about the percentages. It's like, it's like, all right, well, I'll flip the tables and you does. What are the percentages that Anthony Brown drops back for a Hail Mary and is allowed to get strip sacked? Like, when you're doing a Hail Mary, like, teams don't usually blitz you. They drop back 
all their guys and rush you with three pass rushers who are lucky to even touch the quarterback. So it's like it was so absurd. Like uh, I don't know. I feel like I, I went down a rabbit hole, probably even bringing it up. But I, I thought we had to touch on it about just uh, the uh, just the. I don't even have a word for it anymore. Just uh, just gutless <laughs> well, anyway. decision at the end of the first half. Yeah, I mean, other than that, there's there's other things. You know, we could sit here and gripe about Daz for the whole 90 minutes that we have a lot of this, this podcast or the hour that we plan on doing this. But there's other things that we can talk about because I feel like at this point, it's almost like beating a dead horse. We, we know what we're getting with him. And the glimpses of, you know, you know, good play calling, it gets overshadowed. And I don't think this weekend will be any different. But there are other things to look at. And I think... Let's 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 break down the game in terms of the positives and negatives on both sides of the ball. On the offensive side, I thought Anthony Brown looked pretty decent. I mean, he's still inconsistent where he's hitting his passes and where he's getting them, but he's not making bad decisions and he's manageable. And I could see him growing, and I think that's been a, a, a positive, uh, especially against a defense like Notre Dame. That he looked pretty decent. Um, and on top of that, I, I think credit has to go to the offensive line. I, now I'm gonna get a little bit on them for the false starts um, and penalties that they made. But in terms of just scheme and blocking, I thought they had a pretty good game. What did you think, uh, Eric? Yeah, you know, it was nice to see the offensive line have a positive performance. I even saw that uh, John Phillips was ranked as one of the top linemen in the country last week uh, by Pro Football Focus, who, uh, if people aren't familiar with that website, they're, they're a site that kind of breaks down game film and three different analysts. Uh, kind of grayed out the players in each game. So, you know, this isn't just one guy saying that Phillips had a great day. This is three of their analysts all agreeing that Phillips was just a road grader last week. So that's that's something exciting. Uh, Brown, like you touched on, you know, another solid performance. So two out of three games now, Anthony Brown has, I think, given uh, given BC a plus effort. And uh, it was nice to see John Hilleman kind of uh, break out of his shell here. Uh, he, we haven't seen a game like that from him in quite a while, especially against a good opponent. Um, so uh, on the on the offensive side of the ball, just th- there were some things to like for sure. It was unfortunate that they only got 20 points up on the scoreboard, but um, still I, I think more positives than negatives on that side of the ball. Yeah, I, I agree too. I th- You know, Hilleman, I've been – very tough on lately because I've seen he just seemed he didn't seem 100% he seems hesitant hitting the holes and he goes down really quick he he seemed like a different back on Saturday he just seemed aggressive and he was attacking the holes and a lot of that could just be the offensive line opening more for him um, which I think would be you know positive for any running back but he looks especially strong and I thought he had a great game AJ Dillon too I mean I didn't get into it a lot but when he had the holes to hit, he, he was, you know, picking up four or five yards a game. So I thought that was pretty good on the offensive side of the ball. Um, Charlie, you know, the other name that we got to bring up is Charlie Callen, and he had a great game. Um, so a wide receiver that I've had almost written off in my brain, that you know, falling behind guys like Jeff Smith and Michael Walker and Kobe White. I almost forgot about him until he had two touchdown catches. I, saw, I only saw one because I have to admit to everyone listening out here, um, I left halfway through the third quarter. I couldn't watch any more of it. <laughs> oh, don't say it. I yeah, I have, I've got too much going on, man. And I, after they after that halftime 
um, you know, turtling. I in the two touchdowns right off the bat, I was like, I got other stuff to do. I'm not going to watch this. Um, but I did watch the rest of it at home. I got home pretty quick. Um, but anyways, so turning it around, the defense. Whew. So first of all, before the start of the game, we got the news that Strahan, Connor Strahan is out with a knee injury, and no one has a clue how long he's going to be out. But it was just announced today by Jason Baum in the BC Sports Department that he's going to be out again this week. Um, and yeah, I wouldn't. Uh, I'm I'm hearing rumors on that front that uh, it's more likely than not that he's not even going to be back this year. So that that's that's going to be a big blow, obviously, for BC. Yeah. Yeah, and it was very clear the the not just the linebackers but the play up front, man. Those the front four on the, on BC they were just getting pushed around. Josh Adams was able to do whatever he want, wanted, and there, there was I mean, watching some of those touchdown runs, there were breakdowns everywhere on defense. There was no backside support. There was no support in the second level to help out in case anyone broke free. They just seemed like. Once Josh Adams got through the line of scrimmage, he was gone. Yeah, I uh, uh, total bad performance from BC's front. Jeez, I shouldn't even say the front seven. I mean, the the secondary uh, Notre Dame didn't pass for many yards, but they didn't really need to because they were picking up so many chunk plays on the ground. So, and uh, Adazio did hint at that. Um, players in the secondary were missing their assignments too on tackling. So just all around, really f performance from the entire defense, and uh, uh, in, in, including Harold Landry. I know he wasn't on the field for some of the big runs, but man, even when he was, when he was on the field, he he really wasn't doing much for a guy that's supposed to be you know a top ten, top fifteen pick this year. He's been completely frustrating, and I, I haven't been able to get a read on what's going on with him. The first game, I just kind of missed it because it just was, you know, it was late at night, and I was just watching the game, and I didn't notice that he was just. And they showed him a couple times, and just didn't didn't click why he was on the bench. And now the last two games, he's missing a ton of time. I, again, it, what is going on with Landry? Is it is it a coaching decision? Is it an injury? Is is Daz just going to keep holding this close to his vest on what's going on? I, it's it's confusing and frustrating because this is a guy that's supposed to be an all ACC, all American, you know, caliber defensive end, and he has been completely invisible the first three games. Yeah, I don't. I I wish I had answers for you, but yeah. I don't. I don't know what what is going on there. Uh, I mean, obviously, it's obviously there's the level that he can make an impact declines when uh, a team is rushing on you like Notre Dame is. So I, I guess I'll chalk it up to that. Uh, and, um, but again, like you said, we've got three games now um, where he hasn't made a difference. And uh, this weekend's his, his time to shine. This is, this is a team that passes the ball and, and, um, um, this, this is where he can make an impact. So make an I'm impact. thinking he shows up to the but we'll have to see, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, so there's a good, good uh, segue to switch over to Clemson. So we, we go, let's put Notre Dame in the rear view for a little bit. We have Clemson, and we're going to get to some mailbag stuff because we had a, a lot of thoughts and comments from readers. Oh, good. I like the mailbag. Yeah, we had a lot of it today, so I'm going to get into that a little bit later. Uh, Clemson, we, we, we're opening up at, well, not opening up. The current line is somewhere around plus 35. And Eric, you did some nice research on the site. If you haven't checked it out yet, 
make sure you head over to bcainterruption.com to check it out about the line being the largest BC has had since what was it 1995? Yeah, I, I used a uh, site oddshark.com and uh, they had data back to 1995 and that that was by far the biggest spread. Um, you know, the second biggest now being 28 and a half, or was it 29? I forget. But one or the other. But again, the point being, they're they're almost a touchdown bigger underdog than ever in the history of Boston College. So it's, uh, that speaks volumes, obviously. Yeah, it's just I, I you have that gut feeling about this game. It does not seem. Like BC matches up well against Clemson at all. Um, you know, Clemson's a strong team up the middle, especially on defense with Christian Wilkins and Dexter Lawrence, uh, two of the best defensive linemen in the country. And if the offensive line doesn't continue to improve, they're going to have their way with Anthony Brown in that run game. Um, and then on the, the offensive side of the ball, Kelly Bryant, Daz said it in his press conference that, this week, um, reminds him a lot of Tyler Murphy. And God, Brandon, if Brandon Wimbush and, um, John Walford can look like uh, Tyler Murphy against BC. I can't imagine what this kid's going to do. It could, it could get ugly. I don't even want to think about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a lot of what we're getting. Uh, I saw on shaking the Southland, which is SB nation's uh, Clemson site today that they're, um, <laughs> they're basically just saying that BC fans just don't care anymore, which I think is, is sadly starting to become a little bit of, well, not sadly starting. It's, it's been the case for a while now. And it's uh this this rough patch is definitely starting to, to hammer that home. Um, it's the game's in Death Valley. It's a three thirty start, so people are going to be nice and lubed up and and getting crazy down there. Eric, is there any way BC can keep this close? Um, <laughs> uh, I I mean I guess I guess Clums would have to do a complete. No show, no and DC can, can. I mean, I'd have to think back to like Adazio's first or second year here when expectations were very low, and he's like, he had like that way of like hanging in games against better teams because DC kind of run the ball and control the clock, and like, yeah, like. On paper, you knew the other team was way better, but at the end of the game, like, BC would lose by, like, 14 or 10 or 17, something like that. Um, I guess I guess in a scenario where Clemson doesn't show up and BC's offensive line takes another step forward from last week and they can actually run the ball and just kill some clock, I, I guess in that scenario, you know, and I, keeping it close is pretty relative. I'm talking, you know, keeping within 14 or 21 points, which kind of sad that that's what we consider close, but um, all things being equal, yeah, in that scenario, I guess so. I mean, can you see a, a way they keep it close other than there? Nope. <laughs> I, I, you know what? What? I, we still have yet to see BC score more than what twenty-one points against an ACC school in like three years. There's no way they're going to hold Clemson under that. And I, I again, I just look back. I look at the matchups against what they have and and Adazio's coaching style, and I just there's there's no way that they could catch Clemson napping enough. It's um, hopeless apathy. Yeah. Yeah. I got a feeling that's going to be the case. Uh, what, all right. So, I mean, it's tough to really break down a game when you're just expecting a slaughter. 
So let's yeah, go to the right, mailbag. Exactly. Right. Let's go to the mailbag because there's a lot of questions fans wanted us to talk about and about things that are not related to Clemson. Um, so we'll get into that and kind of talk about some of the thoughts. Um, Sounds good. About so the first one is from Warpath Eagle. He says W E E I is trying to get Chip Kelly on air tomorrow. Thought you guys should know. Could get quite interesting. That's what I've heard this morning. Haven't heard anything further. Now I was my wife actually called me when this was happening because she goes AJ, uh, they're ripping on BC again <laughs> on the morning show, and she goes they're just making fun of how you guys can't BC can't keep up with anybody. And now they're talking about Chip Kelly. BC should, you know, haul out a dumpster truck full of cash uh, for Chip Kelly. Now, Eric, let's talk about this because it's something that's popped up a lot. Um, the idea that if Adazio is not here next year, fans have been yelling and screaming that we should get Chip Kelly. What do you think the odds are that BC could attract a coach like that? One uh, percent. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking too. I've, I've tweeted it out before. Um, you know, Chip Kelly is going to have his choice of schools if he wants to go back to the college ranks. And, and you know, schools like Texas A&M, UCLA, Tennessee, they're all, possibly Auburn, they're going to all probably have coaching changes at the end of this year, or, or they could potentially have changes. Why the hell would he pick BC? <laughs> well, in the all, right in the alternative universe that. BC would actually back up a dump truck full of money. I mean, that in itself is probably a 1% scenario, but on top of that, I mean, I'm sorry, but BC is just not like a destination job for a guy like Chip Kelly, and I know he's from New England and stuff, but it's like, uh, why handcuff yourself at a place that's so tough to win when, when he has his choice of other schools? I mean, that's not to say BC can't get a good coach, coaching candidate, but I, I don't see the logic of why the hottest coaching candidate of this offseason is going to pick BC. And that, that's on top of what I think is the bigger issue that I don't think BC would pay Chip Kelly. So that's, that's what makes it all ludicrous from the start. But, um, I, there's just two huge hurdles there. So I, I don't know. I, I heard someone on Twitter say it was uh, like this – the football version of the hoop heads uh, calling for Bruce Pearl, and I think that's a pretty good um, comparison. Although maybe even more far-fetched than DC grabbing Bruce Pearl for hoops. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you know Chip Kelly. I, you you mentioned him being a New England guy, and I've seen a lot of fans saying that as a positive thing. As someone who lives in Boston, if you're not a BC fan, you can also see how irrelevant Boston college sports can be. In the, in the grand scheme of things. And if he wants to be in a program that matters and gets attention, because maybe he wants to raise his stock again, why would he go to a program that no one cares about? So I, I don't, I don't think him being from new England, unless there was like a personal issue that needed him to stay close. I don't think I could see him using that as a positive to say around here. So um, I, I think we both have made our stance that there's absolutely no way Chip Kelly will be here next year. <laughs> No, it's a it's a pipe dream, and just even the talk about the talk of it, all all it's doing is setting up BC to look bad for whoever they hire, because anybody's going to probably be a step down from Chip Kelly. So exactly, yeah, and you get the screaming and hollering, and everyone's pissed off again. So yeah, so I I think that's a good point. You know, as fans, people need to keep if if a coaching change happens next year, and we're not 100 percent sure that would even happen. 
keep your re- you keep your expectations reasonable. You can obviously ex- want to expect a good coach to come in here, but don't expect one of the top, I would say probably top three coaches in the last decade to want to come here just because he's from New England. So anyways, next question. Um, again, uh, every, so we're going to see a, a little theme here, Eric, in terms of questions from our fan base. I bet you can guess what they're at. I figured as much. <laughs> Big Jack Crack wants to know, uh, defense, what will it take before changes are made? One or more blowouts with allowing seven or more touchdowns? And what, what does the defense breakdown reflect on head coach's status to remain? So I don't know exactly what he's getting at, but I, I can definitely probably break it down a little bit. Jim Reed I guess definitely he's asking if, if Jim Reed will be let go this year at some point. Yeah. What do you think? Um, I mean, I, I, I could totally see that as a last-ditch effort by Adazio and play a little playing game or something like that. So yeah. I, don't, I, don't think, I don't think that is outside the realm of possibility by any means. I mean, I think that's a natural uh, bump to making Coach P defensive coordinator if he wanted to do that and try something else out. So, um, yeah, I, I, could, I could see Dazia doing that, like after a blowout loss to Louisville or something like that. Yeah, I think that's probably – my personal opinion is I think a lot of people want to see Adazio axe if this continues. I think it's more likely that someone else will lose their job before he does. You know what I mean? I, I could see – just like what you said, Paul Pasqualani is a good option, I think. And I think, if I remember correctly, I'm not going to look. I, I don't want anyone. I hate talking about people losing their jobs or looking forward to someone losing their jobs because I know it's, it's people's li- livelihood. But I remember last year when we took a, a leave of absence that Pasqualani did a pretty nice job at the defense back together. Yeah, that did happen. Yeah, so did happen. there's that background from last year, too. So. Um, yeah. So, yeah. That, that's, you agree though that it would be more likely that a guy like Reed would get let go before Dazio would? Oh, absolutely. I, I think. Yeah. I, I think I'd be I'd be very surprised if Adazio was let go in the middle of the year. I mean, they. Although I, I, my next words out of my mouth were going to say they'd have to just get blown out in multiple multiple games in a row, but <laughs> they've already been blown out two straight games. They're going to make it three. This weekend at Clemson, uh, so yeah, that kind of leads I, I won't, I'll take that back. I'll take that back. But they got some teams on the schedule ahead too that are pretty daunting. So yeah, and I, I was looking at the schedule and I I thought to myself originally, you know, they got this murderer's row of games in the, uh, set up, and I was like, oh, but you know what? They have Central Michigan in the middle. Central Michigan, I think, had to go to like double or triple overtime to beat URI earlier this year. So they're they're not a good team. And my thought was, oh, BC will probably get gain themselves. You know, Adazio will feel good about himself and puff his chest a little bit because he'll probably beat up on Central Michigan, and that'll keep the heat off of him for long enough to get, you know, pasted again by a couple more ACC schools. But my thought was, what happened? Like, maybe that could be the key. What if, if what happens if BC goes out and after all of these brutal matchups, they're physically beaten up? And they lay a turd against Central Michigan. Would that be the key? Would that be the the impetus to make a move? That and I thought to myself, that could be it. You know what I mean? Like if that's not the game, that's kind of their um, your their vacation away from some of these tougher games. 
maybe if they blow that one, that would make that would force you know the the administration to make a move. Uh, it is it is possible, I guess. It, uh, uh, it'd be how ugly, unfortunately. I don't think if they lost close, that BC would uh, fire Adazio. But, you know, they lay an egg, you know, 44-7 to against Clemson, and then, you know, get blown out by Central Michigan, like 31-10 to or something like that. I could, I could possibly see that. I could possibly see that. All right, so moving on. Um, <laughs> Someone wants to know, Teddy EBC91 wants to know, does anyone wear BC football or basketball apparel with pride anymore? Uh, not me. Uh, not me. I'm, sure you do. <laughs> I'm sure you do. I can say I wear it with pride because I like to show my colors. Like I, I have my tradition at work where I wear my BC polo on Fridays before game weeks. And it's been increasingly difficult to wear that in because I have some friends that I talk to that are not BC fans that maybe have come with me to like my tailgate or, or to a game with me. And they go, you know, AJ, what the hell happened last week? What, what, what was that? And so it gets harder and harder to wear it. And I'm like, Oh, I just don't want to hear about it anymore. And it's <laughs> so, like wearing Cleveland yeah, Browns. I, I, I wear it with pride, but uh, to an extent, you know? Right. Right. All right. So we're up, to, we're up against it in terms of time. Let's go into our predictions. Clemson and BC at 3.30 on Saturday. It's a 35-point spread. Eric, does BC what, – what's your prediction, and does BC cover the spread? Uh, I say Clemson wins 44-14, to 14 and Adazio covers the spread and pops his chest and says, I told you, we're closer than some of the experts thought we would. Yeah, I, I'm going to go with – I went for uh, BC getting pasted last week by Notre Dame, and I wasn't too far off. I'm going to go with something on that line again. I feel like Clemson is on a high lap since beating Louisville last week. I'm going to have them winning 55-10, to 10, and they're going to oh. cover the spread. Oh. Yeah. Brutal. I, yeah, I'm, I know it wasn't like – I know they're not the same team as last year with Deshaun Watson and, and, that, and those kind of weapons that he had, but – I see what Kelly Bryant can do with his legs, and I can see I see what BC can't cover, and I see lots of touchdowns. <laughs> Ray Ray McLeod might have five touchdowns this weekend. Yeah, no kidding. All righty, Eric. Any last thoughts before we head on out to the out on the sunset? Uh, can't wait for the game Saturday. Should be a great game, right? <laughs> the sarcasm is coming in on thick this week, which for uh, us and. Uh, what else can you do, though, right? Anyone out there, I don't think you can blame us for, for feeling like this. And uh, you know what? We, we feel your pain, too, and I know it's not been pleasant. We appreciate you listening to us and, uh, you know, giving us your time to talk BC football. Um, make sure that if you are listening to this on iTunes that you like, subscribe, and review and rate us. Um, it helps us a ton in terms of uh, getting our name out there. People find us a lot easier if you do that. So if you haven't already, please go to the iTunes store and rate us. Um, if you gave us five stars, that'd be great too, but I'm not going to force you. Um, five anyway. stars, just like your Uber driver. Exactly. Yeah, we, we put this out every week for you guys. It's a, it's a, it's a you know, it's because we love you and we're, we're doing this so that we can all get our words out there. So anyways, um, We'll be back again next week to talk Central Michigan. And um, 
recap whatever the hell happened against Clemson. I'm sure it's going to be interesting. So everyone have a great weekend. If you're heading down to Clemson, have fun. It's a, it's a once in a lifetime experience. I have not gotten down there yet, but um, enjoy it. Take care and go Eagles.